Well, there are um, things major and minor that we all have to get over, aren't they? Um, Some of them are very small, and some of them can be mountains for us to get over. One of the minor things that I have to get over is just the fact that people can't drive. I mean, they just can't drive. I mean, I just, it just, it gets on my last nerve that when people just, they just don't know how to drive. I don't know where they got their driver's license at Big Lots or something. I don't know where they got it. And I mean, I'm, I'm, I got places to be and people to see, and I'm in that left lane, and I'm behind somebody that's got no place to go and nobody to see and on no timetable. And man, I, I, I get irritated. I get irritated. Need to get over and let, let, let us people that got somewhere to go be able to go and get there. You know, I get, I get irritated with that. You know, yeah, you're merging on to 675. I was, uh, other day I was merging right on to 675 and I was behind this person. It was probably a lady, but I was behind this person. <laughs> it might have been a church lady. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah. And. So we're merging on 675, and you know, when you, you're merging into traffic, you've got to be going faster than 40 miles. You get yourself killed. You get yourself killed if, you're going, if you hit traffic going 65 at 40 miles an hour. The other day, I was on Wilmington Pike, and I was turning left on Wilmington Pike right there by Cracker Barrel, and I was six or seven cars back at the red light. And so um, the light turned green. And, you know, you have to give appropriate time for it to catch up with you six cars back. And so traffic is starting to move in front of me, and the person in front of me didn't move. And I, I glanced up there, and I noticed their head was down, and they were probably like this, you know, or whatever you do, okay? And so I didn't want to be like some of you sinners. I wasn't going to sin on the horn and, and do that. So I just waited just for a few seconds. Well, you know, they're going to find out, you know, what the deal is. I waited for a few seconds, nothing, nothing. So I politely, in the most Christ-like way I could muster, (laughs) tapped on my horn. And when I tapped on my horn, the person kind of realized what they did and got it in gear and made it up to the light. And as soon as they made it up to the light, the light light turned yellow, and they made it through on red, and I got stuck there and had to sit through another light. I had to get over that. I had to get over that. All of us have things in life that we need to get over, that we may be at a green light in our life, and we're stuck there. And God has turned it green, and it's time for us to move on, but we're still stuck as if there's a red light there. And there may be something that God wants to be able to do for all of us in our lives that he's not going to do until we get unstuck at that green light and until we move on. The title of the series is Get Over It. And I mean that respectfully. And in no way minimize the pain that you've gone through. In no way minimize the hurt. No way minimize the offense. No way, um, in, in any way, minimize what that person did to you. I imagine it was wrong. It was very wrong. And they shouldn't have done that. They, they were in the wrong. You were in the right. I'm not minimizing that at all or not denying that at all. But I just came to tell you here today that the light is green in your life. And it's time for you to move on. 
And you're not going to move on until you get over it. And I'm not here to say that, that getting over it is, is like an instantaneous thing and like you come right to the altar and you get up and autom- automatically it's done with. And that could happen. There's no question in my mind that God could do that for you today. But I also know there's some hearts that are very deep. And the process of getting over it may just start with a time at the altar. And you're going to work through that for weeks and for months. And you may never, ever, ever lose some of that pain. But you've gotten to the place in your life that you're no longer stuck at a green light. And you're able to move on. And you're able to, ha- you're able to enjoy and you're able to live in what God has for you because you can't do that when you're stuck at a green light. You can't do that when you haven't gotten over it in your life. And maybe you don't want to get over it for your family. Maybe you're okay. I'm going to say this because us preachers, we talk about this amongst ourselves, okay? And you just need to know this. And maybe this isn't true, but us preachers believe it. You know what us preachers believe? Uh, This might be wrong, okay? But I'm telling you, we believe it. We believe some of you like your pain. And you like complaining about it. And you like people feeling sorry for you. And you like playing the victim because that gets you attention. Now, maybe we're, we're wrong on that. But when us pastors get together and we talk about stuff in our churches, inevitably, it'll, that'll come up. People that are not able to process through things. People that are just coming back to the counseling office for the, for the, for the seventh, eighth, and ninth time for the same thing. And they've never really done anything that we've told them to do. And they're still wallowing in that pain. I know it's pain. I know it's pain. I'm not saying it's not pain. And you're paralyzed by the pain in your past. And for the sake of what God has for you in the future, can you leave the past behind? Because you will not be able to reap what God has for you in the future if you won't be able to leave the past behind. And leaving the past behind means for you to get over it. And that may mean, that may mean going to a Christian counselor and and having a counselor talk you through things. I I know there are people right here, I'm looking at them, I know who you are, that have greatly benefited from Christian counselors. Greatly benefited from men, men and women who have helped you process things and helped you see things that you couldn't see on your own. And, and I appreciate the ministry of Christian counselors that, that are far better trained than I am to, to try to unlock some of the things that may be in your past that could be holding you back. So getting over it may, may mean not just not coming to a trip at the altar today and somehow God's going to hit you with a holy baseball bat and all of a sudden you're over it. It may mean today just deciding that you're going to make that appointment to go talk to that Christian counselor. It, it may mean deciding today that you're going to go talk to that person who offended you and did you wrong. See, you've complained to everybody else. Am I talking to anybody today? You've complained to anybody, everybody else about it, but you haven't gone to the one person that caused the problem. And so maybe today, it's not just like you're going to come to the altar and God's going to hit you over the head with a baseball bat and clear everything up. Maybe you walk out of here today and decide, I've got to go talk to that person. Or maybe today... There's been a doctor that's been telling you that you need to go on some type of medication. 
that, that, that your head is sick, just like your gallbladder can get sick, and just like your heart can get sick, and you have no trouble pay, taking a pill for, for a heart disease, you have no trouble taking a pill for high blood pressure, but the doctor says your head is sick, and your brain is not doing something it's supposed to be doing, and that doctor is trying to help you by getting you on depression meds, so the synapses of here do what they're supposed to do, and you don't want to do that because you don't think it's spiritual. But your head can get sick just like any other part of your body can get sick. And so maybe today what you need to do to get over it is, is, to, is to make that appointment to Mark and talk to that doctor and start on that depression medication. You know, I could call out names here of people that have been marvelously helped by just a little pill that they take every day that balances them out. And helps them deal with life a lot better. Because something, maybe genetically, maybe that they inherited from a mom or a dad or a grandmother, just is not working quite right. So getting over doesn't just, just mean coming to the altar. But it may mean that. It may mean coming to the altar and leaving everything right here. And God does something absolutely miraculous but I know from 20 years' experience in the ministry, that can happen. But I also know that for some people, it's a process. See, getting over it is not just something that you have to tell to immature Christians. It's nothing that you, not ha- you don't have to just tell it to carnal Christians. You don't have to tell it to, to Christians who are, are the Bible would call babes in Christ. Uh, sometimes mature Christians, sanctified saints, can be a- have some issues that they have to be able to get over and. I know that because one of the Old Testament prophets had to get over something. This, this man was a prophet of God. The, the prophets of God, they spoke God's word. God spoke to them, and then they spoke God's word. That's why you see prophets in the Old Testament. They say, thus saith the Lord. They didn't have a, a, a Bible like we have today where we can read what the Lord says. So God had to speak to prophets, and then the prophets spoke to people, and they say, thus saith the Lord. And so Samuel was one of the greatest prophets in all of, of the Old Testament. And, and, and Samuel had, had, was, was mourning the loss of King Saul. And, and God had rejected Saul as king, basically because Saul didn't do anything right. Well, what God told him to do, he didn't do. And God told him not to do it, and he did it. And, and it was, Saul was always just a pain. And Samuel was trying to work with Saul and try to teach Saul about how to be a godly man. And Saul was just all the time messing it up. So finally, finally God says, I have rejected him as king. And when we, when we enter first chapter, when we enter first Samuel chapter 16, we find Saul sitting around mourning the loss of King Saul. Not that he's dead or anything. It's just that King Saul has, has failed as a king. And so the scripture says in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 1, the Lord said to Samuel, how long? How long will you mourn? How long will you mourn for Saul? Now this is, this is, this is no everyday Christian. This is a prophet. This is a man who's close to God. This is a man who hears God's voice and relays it to his people. This is a man who's been walking with God since he was a very young 
boy, if you remember the story of Samuel from Sunday school. And to this tried and true saint of God, he comes to him and says, how long? How long are you going to mourn for him? How long are you going to let this bother you? How long are you going to keep... Are you going to let this wear you down? How long are you going to be stuck at this green light in your life and not moving on for the new things that I have for you? How long, Samuel? How long, Samuel? And God, through his word today, and using the preacher today, is saying to some of you, how long? How long is this going to wear you down? How long is this going to hold you back? Long ago, the light has turned green in your life. Long ago, the light has turned green in your life. When will you move on? When will you get on with it? When will you get over it? How long will you mourn for Saul? I don't know where this hits you today. Maybe you're like me today, and I really don't have anything too major that I've got to get over, you know. I, I've, I've had those issues in the past, and I'd be shocked if those issues don't come in the future. So I don't know where you are. Maybe you don't have anything that you've got to just get past today. But let me tell you, you're going to have something in the future. And I'm praying that God will, will, will by the power of his Holy Spirit, will bring this message to your remembrance. When you're held back, when the light is green in your life, and you're sitting there mourning something when God tells you to move on. There are some of you here today that this message will hurt. You know, the Bible says that the truth of God cuts sharper than any two-edged sword. And this is going to be one of those days for you, for maybe the 10 or 15 people that God wanted me to preach this message for today that the truth is going to hurt. There's a reason they call it the cold, hard truth. And I pray that God lets me say this with compassion and mercy, but he also doesn't allow me to back away from it and apologize for it. Because there's some of you today, I don't know how many, 10, 15, I don't know how many people listening by way of the Internet, I don't know how many, That not only did God say it to Samuel back thousands of years ago, he's saying it to you today. How long? How long are you going to let this eat you up? How long are you going to let this tear you up on the inside? How long are you going to let this keep you stuck at this green light in your life? How long are you not going to be able to move forward with the new things that I have for you? How long will it take you to be able to get over this? Our scripture verse is full in just one verse of scripture. Because when you see how long will you mourn for Saul, you usually think of mourning. And we don't know this for sure, but the Old Testament, the Old Testament um, tradition was to, to be to when someone dies to go into a time of mourning and you sit there and, and, and you invite people to come mourn with you. Listen, you, we don't get this at all. They hired mourners to mourn with them. Now, we don't get that at all. You hired them 
to come with you. And you'd sit there and have dust and, and sackcloth and you'd be mourning. I don't know if that was the case or not. But Saul wasn't mourning anyone's death. I mean, Samuel wasn't mourning anyone's death. Saul was still alive. Saul was still alive. But what he was probably mourning was the time and the investment that he had put into Saul and all the work and all the time and all the sweat and all the tears and all the labor and all the prayers and all the discipling that he tried to put into Saul and then then Saul totally fails and God rejects him and he sits there and he's mourning what he's lost. He's mourning all that he's put into Saul, he's mourning that it will, the future will not be what he thought it would be. Your life did not turn out the way you thought it would be. It just didn't, one didn't lead to two, didn't lead to three, didn't lead to four. Sometimes one led to two and then back to zero. And two led to four and back to two. And Life just didn't turn out the way that you thought it would. And no one's had to die. But life just didn't turn out the way you thought it would in your mourning. And if things be known, if the truth be known, you're a little mad at God. Or maybe if the truth be be known, you're a lot mad at God. You invested a lot of time and preparation into what you thought was going to work in your life and now it's gone. You invested a lot of time and effort in that relationship. And now, for whatever reason, that relationship is gone. And the future doesn't look like you thought your future was going to look like. And you're mourning. You invested your heart and soul into that son. You invested your heart and soul into that daughter. But they're living off in a far country now. And they're not, they're not walking in the ways that you taught them at all. In fact, they're going just the opposite. And you're mourning that. You see, when you invest in someone or something greatly and that doesn't work out, it hurts. When you invest in someone or something greatly and it doesn't work out, it hurts. You thought that job was going to be it for you. You thought this was going to be the job you're going to keep the rest of your life. That business that you started, it didn't work. You, you, you invested 80 hours a week in that business. People don't have to die for you to be mourning. People don't have to die for you to be stuck at green lights in your life. Life circumstances can just get you down. You never thought. You live for God. Your husband lives for God, and you never ever thought you'd had to be dealing with with this with your children. You never dreamed of it. You're mourning it. You're stuck. You can't move forward, and the light is green. Samuel was mourning over Saul, and Saul was still alive. He was mourning over what he lost. I don't know what boat you're in today. But I think God Almighty comes to you and says, how long? 
How long? How long? We're not done with the verse. Because the verse says, not only does it say how long, since I have rejected him as king. Why are you mourning over someone that I've rejected as king? He is not my will for you in your life anymore. It is not my will that he be the king over Israel anymore. My hand is off of him. My favor is off of his life. Why are you mourning something that is obviously not in my will? I don't know why it happened to you. And I don't know why God let it happen. And I wouldn't insult you with trying to come up with some theological reason on why God allowed that to happen in your life. I have no clue and no other preacher does and don't believe me if they tell you they do. They don't. They're just trying to impress you. But it happened. God could have stopped it. If he's a sovereign God, he could have stopped it. But for some reason that I have no clue of, he chose not to. He allowed this to come into your life. God is not shocked by this. He's not thrown off guard by this. He's not up there twiddling his thumbs and think, what am I going to do with poor little Mark and how am I going to get him out of this mess? It's God's will that I go through this because he could have lifted me from it if he's sovereign. And I must believe that God's will is good, God's will is acceptable, and God's will is perfect, Romans chapter 12. Now, God's will doesn't necessarily mean, listen, oh, you've got to get this. God's will doesn't necessarily mean that it's good, doesn't mean that it's good for you. Mark, doesn't it say that all things work together for my good to them who love God? No, it doesn't say that. It doesn't say that at all. It says all things work together for good. Not your good. 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 God's got a whole lot of good to deal with other than just mild good. And God dealing with good may mean that I have to go through some bad. Can you deal with a God like that? All things work together for good. All things don't work together for my good. It may mean I have to go through some difficulty. But God has a greater good. Do you want me to sit here and take 30 minutes and tell you all the Bible stories I could tell you where that came true? Where God puts somebody through some really bad stuff for greater good? Do I have to tell you about the cross of Christ? Why do we ignore the cross of Christ? Why do we think this cross was just supposed to get us out of some suffering? If Jesus suffered, why shouldn't I suffer? If Jesus had to go through hard times, why shouldn't I have to go through hard times? Do you think Jesus is just a good luck charm to let you coast through life? Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. Jesus says, in this world, I think it's 1633 of John, in this world, 
you will have trouble. But behold, I have overcome the world, Jesus says. God's will may be that you have to go through this hard time because God's got his hands full governing a whole universe. And to make something work over here, something has to happen here. And to make something work over here, something has to happen here. And if I have to go through a little hardship to make something else work really, really good, who be it to me to be able to doubt God on that? One of my favorite passages is in Daniel chapter 3, the story of the three Hebrew children thrown into the um, fiery furnace. And the king says, you need to bow down to our God. If you bow down to this idol made of gold, you won't have to. We won't throw you into the furnace. And they respond to him. He says, our God is able to get us out. And I'm paraphrasing. This God is able to get us out of this mess and save us from this certain death. But then you know what it says next? But even if he does not. We will not bow down to your idol made of gold. That's faith. That's faith. My God is able to save me and miraculously lift this cancer from me. But even if he does not, I will serve him. My God is able to take this horrible situation away from me. He can do it like this. I know without a shadow of a doubt, he can do it. But even if he does, you mean, Mark, you just can't name it and claim it? I just can't do it like Rod Parsley says on TV? He's a TV preacher. He must be right. I've rejected Saul. Why are you sitting here mourning someone that it's obviously not my will that he be the king anymore? Do you not believe that my will is good? That I have the best interest for all of Israel? Do you, can you worship a God that lets his son be incredibly tortured and crucified on the cross, not for his good, but for yours. Can you worship that God? You do. You do every Sunday. We come and remember that horrible, torturous, agonizing death every single Sunday. Then why are you surprised when you have to go through some difficulties? Why am I shocked when I have to go through some I thought God was his here to protect me. I've rejected Saul. Why are you mourning something that my hand is not on anymore? I've rejected him as king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil. One of the jobs of the prophets was to anoint with oil new leaders in the land. Just had one day Samuel had anointed Saul. He says, fill your horn with oil. And and the horn was the vessel that he was carrying. He says, fill your horn with oil and be on your way. 
God had business for him. God had something for him to do that only he could do. It was only the prophet that could go anoint a new king. God had something for him to do that only he could do. And as long as he is mourning, as long as he is stuck at this green light in his life, as long as he doesn't get up and move on, as long as he won't get over it, he cannot be able to do what God wants him to do. And God has ministry for him. God has something brand new for him. And he says, Samuel, I need you to be my prophet. I need you to do what a prophet does. I need you to go fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sitting and I'm mourning and the light is green. God can't use me. God can't use me for what maybe only I can do. God can't work through me because I won't get over it, because I won't move on, because I'm stuck at the green light. Get up, Mark. Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I've got stuff for you to do. You can thwart the work of God. You can thwart the work of God in your life. By being stuck at green lights. I've heard people say they get all spiritual and, and um, sometimes as worship leaders because they like to think they know a lot about theology so they'll say something they don't have any, any idea about. But they'll say, well, nothing God can do to be able to stop the work in you. Well, bull. You can stop God's work in you. You can stop God's work in you. I can stop God's work in me. By me staying stuck at a green light. Mark, get up. Fill your horn with oil. I've got work for you, Mark. I've got a ministry for you, Mark. I've got something new for you, Mark. And if you won't get up, you're going to stay stuck right there and you're going to thwart what I want to do in your life. Because you're dwelling on the past, Mark. Because you're still hanging on to that person. You're still hanging on to that relationship. You're still hanging on to that hurt. You're still hanging on to that offense. I know it hurt. Did I say that? I know it hurt. I'm not making fun of it. I'm not making it trivial. I know it hurt. It hurts bad. Your heart, heart hurts to even think of it. Your legs were chopped out from under you. I get it. But if you hang on to the things that are in the past, you will not have a future with God. If you hang on to those things that are in the past, if you stay stuck at the green light, you will not have a future with God. Leave the former things. Leave the former things. Well, I just, I just, I I never finished school and I never, the light's green, man. Get up, fill your horn with oil, and be on your way. Let me finish. He's sending him. <laughs> now, if we was in Africa right now, y'all start running, waving your handkerchiefs. <laughs> we used to do that in church in Nazarene until we got sophisticated. Some of you know 
went to Sunday school enough that you know this next story, don't you? I'm sending you to Jesse. Who is Jesse? Anybody know who Jesse was? David's dad. Who was, David, who was Jesse's youngest son? David. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem because I have a new king for you to anoint. I have something brand new for you and for the people of Israel. If you stay stuck right here and don't get up and go to Jesse of Bethlehem, if you stay stuck right here, the whole nation of Israel is going to get stuck. You need to be able to move on, be a leader, lead these people, go anoint the new king so this whole nation of Israel can move forward because Saul has not been my man. I've rejected Saul, and I have now got a new king for Israel, and his name is David. Go to his dad, and he'll show you who he is. Wow, friends. When you're stuck at the green light of your life, you could miss all the David moments. David ended up being what? A man after God's own heart. David ended up being the greatest king that Israel ever seen. Israel had never experienced successes, either on the battlefield or in their society, under any king like they did under David. And if Samuel hadn't got up, filled his horn with oil, and gone to, to Jesse and Bethlehem, he would and anointed David, the whole nation could have been stuck at the green light. You remember the story? He goes to, he goes to, to Jesse's house, and Jesse lines all of his sons up in front. And, oh, they're good-looking. said, oh, it must be this guy. No, God told him it wasn't this guy. Oh, it must be this one. Look how handsome he is. No, it's not this guy. Goes all the way through the line, through six or seven sons. I don't remember how many. And God tells him it's not any of these. And he goes to Jesse. Samuel does. He goes to Jesse and says, do you have any more? He says, I got a little kid out here. He's, he's, he's tending sheep. And Samuel says, go get him. And so he goes and gets, sends somebody to go get David. And here comes David, probably 13, 14, 15. And here comes little little shepherd boy. Here comes a little shepherd boy that God didn't see him as a shepherd boy. God saw him as a king. And as soon as little David comes up, God speaks to Samuel and says, that's the one, go anoint him. Wouldn't have happened if he didn't get over it. Wouldn't have happened if he stayed stuck at the green light in his life. Wouldn't happen if he didn't get up and move on. What could God have for you? What could God have for you if you will let go of the past? God could have something new and fresh and much better in store for you. But you can't receive it until you get over it. And getting over doesn't mean that you forget that person or forget that thing or, or, or no longer care about that. No, no, no. It just means I won't let that someone or something hold me back from God's best in my life anymore. How long? How long? How long? 
your first step of getting over, it starts today. And by a miracle of God's grace, something absolutely miraculous, supernatural could happen to you at this altar. I believe it with my hand up. There's no question. I believe God can do an absolute miracle right here and now. I've heard too many testimonies in my life. But I've also heard testimony by equally sincere Christians that that first trip to the altar was the first step of the process. And that hurt was so deep and that cut was so deep that there were other steps that had to follow. I don't know where you are. And you know what? Hey, can I just be honest? I'm not smart enough to tell you how to get over it. But I know it starts with you telling God you want to get over it. And you don't want it to hold you back a single second. God, would you show me what I need to do. Christian counselor, go talk to the person, whatever it may be. Would you show me the steps I need to take to get over this and not be stuck at the green light in my life? The blood of Jesus Christ not only cleanses us from all of our sin, it heals hurts. It heals offenses. It heals that word that they said to you that you still rings in your ears. It heals. Would you allow that work to start today? Here's how well I know people. I don't have anyone in mind, but here's how well I know people. Some of, some of you right now are saying, but you don't know my situation. And I probably don't know your situation. And your situation can be far worse than any other situations that I've heard in my life, but I've heard a lot of bad ones. But if you listen to that voice that says, but you don't know my situation, let me ask you a question. Are you listening to the voice of God or are you listening to the voice of Satan? Who's telling you that? Who's telling you that? And just like everything else, friends, it's a battle on who you're going to believe. Are you going to believe the voice of God that says, I can get you through any mess and get you through it? And do beautiful things in your life. Or are you going to listen to that voice that says. But this one's too big. The hurt's too deep. Nobody else has been hurt like this. What voice will you believe? Our servers are coming to the table. Father. I pray first of all that you would allow me to practice what I preach. Because these people will not do it. If they don't see me doing it. The hurts and offenses that. I have gone through and the hurts and offenses that I eventually will go through would you let me deal with them do whatever I have to do to get over it and not let it hold me back and I pray for people here today that have been through bad things I pray through people here today that have been sexually abused that that father or that man or that boyfriend, or that brother did something to you that they never should have. And it still 
holding you back today. Father, I pray for those people that are under the sound of my voice. And I pray today that they will start the process. And they'll get over it. So they'll move on. I pray for that man or that boy that was abused by that uncle or that older brother and it's still holding you back. I pray today, today, you'll start to get over it. I pray for that person who's stuck in pornography, who's stuck in sexting, who's stuck in a relationship right now. I pray that they've seen your green light today, God, and they'll get up and they'll move. Move on. It's not your will for them, their life. Lord, whatever the situation, in Jesus' name, I pray people will have the faith to believe you are a big enough God to get them through it. Give them faith to trust and to lean real hard. And may they start right today. In Jesus' name, amen.